This is uh, Patient Care Theory 1, Unit 5, Part 6B, Respiratory Complaints. And um, so we already went over the differential diagnosis. Let's talk about aspiration. So um, etiology, so this is uh, inhalation of oropharyngeal or gastric contents into the, into the, uh, the um, when I say lower airways, I should, um, I should explain what I mean by lower airways is airways below the trachea. So lower airways really means apices to bases, right? But where we, where we hear aspiration is in the apices of the lungs, right? Uh, it would take probably days for that uh, fluid to trickle down to the base of the lungs, depending on how much fluid. So typically we see this in patients with altered mental status. So usually the elderly, um, patients with previous strokes who have difficulty swallowing, um, uh, patients with um, head injuries, like acute head injuries, and um, so they lose that ability to protect their airway. There may be a loss of gag reflex, say an acute head injury, uh, or even acute stroke, but oftentimes we see a, um, aspiration in just the elderly patients who have difficulty swallowing from past strokes or other issues. Um, and the sequela is, um, well, uh, before we get to pneumonitis and pneumonias, they often present with shortness of breath and apical crackles. Um, and aspiration of small amounts of oropharyngeal contents over a long period of time can lead to infectious processes. Where we see uh, young, healthy people aspirate is typically they are like drug overdoses or they're drop down drunk and they're lying on their back and their level of consciousness is really depressed because they've had so much to drink and they vomit and they aspirate and that can uh, obstruct their airway it can lead to cardiac arrest it can lead to some nasty stuff so um, if you ever have a friend who is a is drinking one you should probably try to intervene and stop them from drinking too much um, and number two if they drink too much you probably want to keep an eye on them and keep them lying on their side and you might even have to stay awake the night to uh, to make sure they lay on their side um, and then I would find new friends because frankly I wouldn't hang out with someone who gets that drunk that's just it's just stupid there's no excuse for getting that drunk right. uh, so aspiration presentation so onset of stress can be uh, you know uh, an hour or less uh, they present typically dyspneic tachypneic tachycardic um, if they've had numerous aspirations or the aspiration happened some time ago they may develop an infection with a fever depending on how old the event is they may or may not have cyanosis depending on just how much of an airway obstruction they have and uh, they typically have crackles uh, in the apex rather than the bases when you get bilateral basilar crackles we think heart failure apical crackles we think aspiration and they may have diminished breath sounds because their airway is partially obstructed and with old aspirations, they may have a pleural friction rub. So um, in our lungs, right, we have, we have, um, we have um, a visceral layer and surrounding the visceral layer is a parietal layer, which adheres to the ribs. And there's just a thin layer of serous fluid between those two layers. It allows the lungs to expand and contract and move freely in that area but if um, if they develop an infection that spreads 
to the pleura, they may develop a pleural friction rub. And when you auscultate the chest, what a pleural friction rub sounds like is, is like rubbing hair. Right? Now, I don't, I don't have long hair, but I can still hear the hair rubbing like this. That's what it sounds like, hair rubbing. If you do it close to your ear. Right? Just a couple of strands of hair. That's what a pleural friction rub sounds like. And that's usually an old thing. So, um, management is largely supportive. Um, we can't really go down there and suction that stuff out because it's too deep. Um, the only way you could suction is if you had the patient endotracheally intubated, have a tube down there, but we don't do that. Um, we do an SpO2 in room air, an ECG, O2, uh, subutamol if they're wheezing, and, um, uh, and transport. Put them in a position of comfort. That's really all we can do for them. Jake? Yeah. Well, if they aspirate chunks, it might obstruct the airway, right? So they may need. Uh, but I mean, like I mentioned, if it doesn't, it's there. Well, so you know, because we go to undifferentiated patients, we don't know uh, whether they have chunks or no chunks, and how much of an airway obstruction they have. So we treat it like any other patient who's a possible choking victim. So if um, if they have markedly diminished air entry or no air entry, and they and they have an ineffective cough, we do abdominal thrusts. And if they're unconscious, we do chest thrusts, right? So we do the same things we do with any choking victim. Um, so, yeah. Uh, basically, you can aspirate liquid, you can aspirate chunks. I mean, choking is really aspiration. If you choke on a, on a piece of steak, that's an aspiration, right? You've aspirated that piece of steak into your trachea or just might be sitting right above the vocal cords. And uh, the objective would be to, um, force air out of the lungs that hopefully pushes that obstruction into the mouth. You can grab it, stick, uh, pull it out. Uh, cystic fibrosis. Uh, I can tell you um, in all my years of being a paramedic, I've never yet encountered a patient with uh, CF that I can recall. Um, these patients um, usually seek medical attention before they need to call 911. Uh, but presentation might include dyspnea, chronic cough, frequent lung infections. They have six secre uh, thick secretions and thick, thick, um, um, thick sputum. And the management is largely supportive. We get an SPO2 room, room air, hook them up to the ECD, give them oxygen if they need it, salbutamol if there's wheezing, and PPV if they're in severe dyspnea, right? Three-word dyspnea with altered mental status. They get PPV'd. That's the general rule for all respiratory distress. Jake? Is it one of my best friends growing up? Yeah. 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 And he's still alive? Yeah. How old is he? My age. Okay. Yeah, some CF patients will get uh, lung transplants um, too, and yeah. 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 Uh, so lung cancers. Um, so etiology. So uh, cigarette smoking is one of the most common. Well, is the major cause of um, lung cancer. Um, and, uh, but genetic uh, predisposition plays a, a big role as well. Uh, there can be occupational causes like inhalation of silica, vinyl chloride, asbestos, 
um, and they have a chronic inflammatory process, they have cellular changes, and um, um, oftentimes they've got the primary site of the cancer is somewhere else and it spreads to the lungs or it may begin in the lungs and metastasize to other places. So uh, lung metastases uh, often precedes the diagnosis. What I mean by that is that, that um, uh, they may have um, evidence of lung metastases because they present with a cough, uh, but then they discover the, the primary site is somewhere else. So presentation, typically dyspneic, tachypneic, maybe have a smoker's cough, persistent productive cough, with or without wheezing, with or without bronchovesicular sounds, with or without hemoptysis. There may be a pleural fusion, there may be a pneumothorax. Um, when we auscultate the chest, if they're dyspneic, they're short of breath, and they've got a wheeze, what drug do we give? Salbutamol. Shortens of breath and a wheeze, salbutamol. No matter what the cause, shortens breath and weave, so beautiful. I had a five-year-old girl. She was uh, with her parents in the backyard. Um, and her dad was putting, uh, they had above-ground pool and a deck around the pool. And the dad was putting some chlorine into the pool. And uh, dad said to his daughter, his five-year-old daughter, he said, look at the big bubbles, the big bubble, chlorine, coming up to the surface of the water. She leaned over the water. The bubble burst, she inhaled the chlorine gas, and she collapsed right into the pool. Dad took her out, put her on the deck. When we got there, she was unconscious. She had diffuse bilateral wheezes. Um, I scooped her up, put her on the stretcher. Uh, my partner got her on 100% uh, O2 with a non-rebreather mask at 15 liters per minute while I prepared the salbutamol. I put the salbutamol on her. By the time we got in the back of the ambulance, she was awake, she was talking. So she had a, an acute inflammatory process, irrit irritant process, bronchospasm from inhaling a toxic gas. And uh, bronchodilator was all she needed. I started with one salbutamol, I gave her a second albutamol, and then we arrived at the children's hospital that we were taking her. Uh, but anything that causes bronchospasm and wheeze, we treat with salbutamol. Okay. So, uh, Lung cancer is largely supportive. If you've got a lung cancer with, uh, with a wheeze or a really diminished air entry and they're short of breath, sometimes that could be really intense bronchospasm that gives you diminished air entry. Um, we give them salbutamol and that usually perks them up. And I don't think there's any quiz associated with this one. So I'm gonna move on to the next one.